This is the things we do podcast to podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, MJ. Weird. <laughs> Yo. Yo. <laughs> so, is it easy to call you MJ as a full name or just as M for short? Uh, M can be for short. Yeah. Done. I'm going to stick with the sh- <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> Getting like shorter and shorter and yeah. shorter. Uh, yeah. I, you're just like... Uh, 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 um. <laughs> so, M, we've known, known of each other for like, oh, I'm going to say 13, 14 years now. Yeah, wow. Um, Makes me feel really old. Yeah, I know. Um, and we've, we're not that dissimilar in age, which is kind of like... Um, I always forget that I'm not, I'm actually not that much younger than most people. <laughs> Cause I always think like when you're like really young, which I was about like 19 when mm. I think we first met, I always assumed like your teenage years were when you were really young. Mm. And now I remember that the moment you turn 30, it's all fucking out the window and no one gives a shit. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's right. I'm just, I'm a normal human. But it's funny cause like age is so, mm, it's so intense when you're younger and yeah. past a certain point you're like, uh. Oh. I can't, I feel we're all the same now. Yeah, it's yeah. once you it's once I think you kind of get out of that like twenties mm. mid slump. But you're not, you know, like if you think of how much experience you live in the space of like six months or mm. a year, and then someone else is like six years older than you, so they've got six or even like twelve six months on you in yeah. terms of like life experience. You can feel the same age, and then you dig a little bit, you scratch a little bit, you're like well. <laughs> How do you even live a year? Yeah, I know. Oh, look, the pandemic taught me anything. <laughs> it was just improvised with everything that you do day by day. Um, but I'm going to ask us, to, I'm going to take us back in time. Okay. Take us back to the early days of you and okay. your childhood. Because, okay. you know, but also my first probably most important question is, who are you and what you do? Tell the internet. Who am I? <laughs> Hello, internet. <laughs> I'm MJ. I uh, I make films. Uh, I'm currently based in Italy, but I'm Australian and uh, I'm back here now, which I just got back like four days ago. So I'm just creeping off the edge of jet lag. Oh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll be back for a bit and then back in Italy again, then back and forth, back and forth. Still trying to understand how to live in a good way and how to... Uh, yeah, make Function. things in a good way. Yeah, I mean, you've always been quite creative, which is, you know, since I was a girl. <laughs> yeah, since since I was a young girl. Um, no, like you've always kind of astounded me with how creative you are and how like out of the box thinker you are. <laughs> um, did that? Does that come? Like, where did this original journey start to become a filmmaker and like, especially like, move overseas? Um, they came one after the other. So I was overseas, I was moving overseas for this kind of, uh, kind of Erasmus that you yeah. can do at Sydney Uni, like you do the, in- the exchange. And I wanted to go back to China because after high school, I had spent a year in China and done university there. Mm. Instead of a gap year, I just went to university. I was like, love studying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked it. And I liked how you were kind of in this space that was the center of the world, you know, mm. maybe not in terms of like. Uh, the way people outside thought of it. But once you got there, there were people from everywhere that you would never have a chance to meet here. Like in, in this year when I was having my gap year, my closest friend was from Kazakhstan and other people were from like Poland or Spain or yeah. just like this crazy mix. And uh, another another Australian, uh, Brazil, I don't know, really interesting. Mm. So to come back to Sydney where everyone was from Sydney 
it felt very um, stale, you know, because I had mm. been exposed to this. If you want to go away for the weekend, you would go to like climb this gorge in t- t- like Sichuan or like go to this mountain where Tibetan monks lived. So I was like very young to be exposed to like this level of like, whoa, because I was in a yeah. very random part of China. I wasn't in Shanghai or Beijing. I was yeah. in the West. So when I came back, it was kind of like, cool, how can I organize myself to go back to that immediately as soon as possible? Yeah. So I understood, you know, but in a sensible path through university and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I understood I could do this Erasmus to Beijing, to one of the big universities there. So I did that. And while I was there, I had kind of already developed a little bit this jealousy of people who did film. Mm. Um, it was already starting when I was in uni here, like, hmm, I'm very jealous of my friend's brother that he's doing <laughs> film. Like, but why? I, I like what I'm doing. Why this irrational jealousy? And then I yeah. got to Beijing and uh, a friend of mine kind of put me in touch with her friends and they mm. were filmmakers. And I was immediately like, hi (laughs) then slowly i understood yeah this this jealousy like use that to show you what you want because it's it's like an envy so if you like look inside yourself like okay what am i envious of yep maybe i should follow that path and so uh yeah halfway through the six month erasmus i started to write a film and uh ended up like staying an extra six months and yeah then i never really came back to sydney after that like yeah. came back for some months to maybe like uh, finish the degree that I had missing subjects randomly around <laughs> um, to, and to finish the post on the film that I had shot there. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, like that came out, what, 2012, 2011? No, 2015. 2015. 2015. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the timeline um, is messy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, I was like, because I remember you, t- um, I remember you posting about that and talking about mm-hmm. that. Like, and I think there was a year between post and actually completion of filming or something yeah, like that yeah. it was quite a yeah we shot in 2013 yeah, yeah. so like you know filmmaking <laughs> it took yeah it took a while but i mean it took a, it took very fast to film in some ways mm. for a feature film <laughs> like a couple of weekends like a couple of weeks but over six months yeah because also then you could get beijing in the summer and the winter and the city changes a lot which was cool. yeah but it was one of these projects where no one is paid, you know, so you have to go slowly and yeah. everyone is helping at the right time that works for them because they're doing it because they're interested in it or they like the project. So yeah. you can't really push people that much at that point to hurry the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to go. No. And then and then so you, you left um, China and then moved to Italy? No, there was a step in between. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So... The the film was, uh, yeah, 2015, basically finished, went to Montreal World Film Festival yep. as the premiere, and then played some festivals around, even one in Sydney, I think, this one, Women in Film, I, the, the name has changed now since the festival existed. Oh, I think I know the one you're talking about, but was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called like Mad or so, something like yeah. that. So, anyway, yeah, I can't remember. I always forget the name, which I should know it, it was a nice one. But uh, yeah, so as I was finishing that, I understood that I wanted to leave from Beijing. Mm. Um, just to change things up. I mean, I was 24. I'd been in Beijing and China since I was 18 and I had understood yep. that you can get a certain, you can kind of do anything in, in Beijing. You can arrive and just tell people, I'm a filmmaker. And like, why would they question you? They're like, ah, okay, cool. But yep. like, you, maybe you're not at all. You just say that you are and they'll yeah. believe you and then you just do whatever you want. So I wanted to kind of enter in, into a more like professional setting to not be in this amateur space. So I was looking at different film school options. Mm. And uh, I didn't want to go to the US, didn't want to go to the UK. But everything in Europe was the National Academy. So it was in the local language of whatever country yeah. you want to go to. And then actually this friend of mine who was doing the music for... Um, actually, who we worked with at the Seymour Centre. 
<laughs> he did the music for the uh, the Beijing film. He was like, ah, you know, this uh, Hungarian director has opened a school in Sarajevo. Ah. So uh, why don't you check it out? So I checked it out and I applied and I got in um, to the second uh, like round of master's course that they had. Yeah. So yeah, I moved from Beijing to Bosnia, Herzegovina, to uh, study there under Belata, who is this Hungarian director. <clears throat> And yeah, his school was quite experimental in the model. Yeah. Like it was more like a masterclass model. He just invited his different friends to show up. Yep. And there were like very specific guidelines of how we could and couldn't make films. Like certain limits he made us do. Mm. But uh, yeah. And then I was two years there. And the second year, the, the school closed. So our last semester was like no teaching, just shooting. Bella wow. had gone and we used the equipment of the school to kind of finish our work with each other. Because we were all yeah. like on each other's crews and stuff. But uh, yeah, and then after that, that's when I went to Italy. <laughs> right, and then and then did Italy open like another whole like level of boxes for you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, it was a very random decision. Like I still now can't quite place what drew me to there, except yeah. that I, I didn't. It didn't make sense to go back to Australia because I had been so long away. And yeah. I didn't know what to do. I wouldn't. I would have to completely start again. I didn't really want to go back to China also because I didn't have a visa and I would have had to find a work and find a visa. It was kind of getting annoying. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I had the possibility to live in Europe for my for my passport, so I went. And uh, yeah, it was like cool. Italy is right next to the Balkans, like right next to mm. Yugoslavia countries, but it's bigger than uh, Slovenia, which has a very tiny market. Mm. And it has a really good relationship with China, like historically, this yeah. connection of like uh, Marco Polo onwards. And uh, basically there was that. I had a lot of friends in from Beijing who had uh, some connection to Italy or were Italian. So mm. very randomly I went there. And uh, yeah, it opened up this whole world of like European cinema. Yeah, which is a very different uh, ball game. I feel like Australian cinema is a little bit, I want to say lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never been a huge fan of Australian cinema. Mm. I think it's like depends, but I think yeah, like international, um, like films or European films that tend to be sort of like way more interesting, um, or just independent films. I kind of like indie films. They're like where yeah. a lot of my love. But comes. surely there there are Australian indie films now. Like there's interesting things being made around. Only in the last five years, yeah. though, it really came out in the last five yeah, years. Yeah. Um, before then, when especially when we were both studying um there weren't that many there it's, was like completely like proper pittance yeah yeah it's true there was like this weird desert no in between from like yeah. the 90s ones yeah until but recently there's some pretty interesting things popping up yeah and like, i feel uh, like yeah. it's probably because australia got a lot more traction um especially because we've got a lot more stars in the limelight that, that want to push a lot of australian productions mm. which you know kudos um but we were known for like you know tv soaps and stuff like that we weren't really known for like dramatic arts or you know really well thought out films we were known for soaps and horror mm. and those were like our two two horror. things yeah yeah this but it's always the same model no like uh ah the landscape is so scary yeah it's <laughs> not <laughs> Suburban life, wow. Okay, um, suburban life is fucking terrifying. I have to say, like, I can agree with this one. Hundred percent. Um, but no, I love. I, so, so, what was the last thing you filmed? What was? Uh, I actually shot a short here during the lockdown. Wow. Which was okay, not during the lockdown. During this lock in, lock in, like you can't leave Australia. Lock in. Yeah. So yeah, not like in my house. 
Um, <laughs> because it's hard because I don't know. I always refer to the lockdown as just those two years. Yeah. Because I couldn't leave. We were locked in. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, not quite correct. But uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, it was some very, very random, like, uh, uh, how do you say, like, collusion of events. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine who became a friend because I went to look at his house and uh, just... And I, the reason I looked at his house, because he did such an interesting post on Facebook Marketplace, like instead of pictures, he'd made like little films and he announced himself as a filmmaker. And a lot of the films I could see Star Wars posters. And I was like, uh-huh. OK, like I could live with like a Star Wars dude. Like this is, <laughs> this is possible. So like I went to see the place and literally I think I spent like one hour there, like chatting with him, looking at what he was working on, telling him what I was working on. It was really yeah. interesting. So then I was like, OK, cool. I actually don't want to live in your house, but like, let's be friends. And I think some days later, or like a week or so later, he was having a party at his house. So, yeah. And he's the kind of person who really brings people together. He, mm. he wanted to invite all these like random, crazy, strange people that he'd met. Because he's a filmmaker as well. So he's yeah. like bringing these worlds all the time. And uh, yeah, from this we became friends. And at some point he was contacted by an actress who he just did not want to deal with. He was just like, <sighs> nah, okay. Yeah. Um, and he called me. He's like, okay, there's this actress who wants to make a TV series. Do you want to talk with her? So he, uh, yeah, I forgot. He's Italian and she was Italian too. Right. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And she was from the city in Italy that I had been living before I got stuck mm. here. Where all my luggage was still living. <laughs> I wasn't meant to be in Australia. You know, yeah. I was accidentally here. So uh, yeah, we, we got in touch and I went for a coffee with her and she told me the kind of, she pitched me the TV series that she wanted to do. Yeah. And at some point I was like, look, uh, you don't really have any funding or anything. And, you know, to, to write a TV series can take a year more and we should do it properly. Like enough of this yeah. amateur level, like let's do things properly. So no, I'm not going to do this. But if you want in a very like random, rough, like uh, punk style, we can make a short film. Yeah. Um, so we kept talking and I understood, you know, what were the things she was really interested to talk about from this like massive TV series idea? Mm. What did she actually want to say? Yeah. And then how could that match with what I wanted to say? Mm. And then, uh, yeah, she introduced me to this actor that she wanted to work with and, uh, I made him take me to all these different locations he liked. And slowly like this, I built the script, kind of talking with both of them and ma making the script around both of their personalities, which is anyway how I work. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, got some, like met some people through friends, like this amazing cinematographer. And uh, I got a friend to do the sound. And yeah, like this very randomly, we went into the nature and shot two weekends. Wow. And then tragically the actress who it was originally the whole thing her idea she actually couldn't come those weekends because she like was on it she didn't understand that she was supposed to tell her agent to block these dates oh. so she made this huge mess and i was very tempted to just completely change the actress but in the end i was like no no, no. it was her original concept this thing like let's finish it with her but we had to shoot in a way that she wasn't there so using like a body double or yeah, so that was very interesting. And then the, the so the last part of the shooting was actually like months later. Yeah. I had created this kind of book of all the locations, how we shot them to understand like how could we match the counter shot with something that could look like the same. So like me and the DOP did this very nice action actually of scouting around, understanding like what could match. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we shot with her for a weekend. Oh my goodness. 
which I think also for her must have been crazy because she had no context for each like shot, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it'd be like, okay, those bushes, put your head near those bushes. Yes, exactly that bush because it looked like the other bush from the other location, like Newcastle. (laughs) We found the matching bush from Newcastle. Put your head next to it and then like pretend to look up and pretend that you're on a cliff. She'd be like, okay, whoa. So for her like acting, yeah, she came from theater, so... Ah. She could do this kind of imagination work, yeah. I think, pretty well. Anyway, yeah, it looks cool. Oh. So still trying to finish that. Again, same problem as before. No one's really being paid, so everyone has yeah. to work in a, you know, capacity. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome though because I feel like you know the thing you bring the best of both worlds, which is like you know, um, independent art style, but also like professionalism and and you know uh, uh, the proper approach mm-hmm. which i 100 percent am all for <laughs> it drives me mental when i guess it's such a student mentality of like rush it and go for it um yeah. which you know i think happens more when you're young because you think that nothing could ever go wrong mm-hmm. and like you just said <laughs> things can go wrong all yeah. the time but it's it's like yeah, it's those little mounds of challenges. Like, do you <laughs> have you ever gone though, through that stage of you know being a filmmaker and just going, what the fuck am I still doing? Oh yeah, constantly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like even yesterday. Like, but you know, okay, partly because of this process mm. where um, we got a producer coming into that project at the end. You no, know? after mm. I did the edit, I sent it to him and he's like, oh, I like it. Gave me some feedback. Yeah. We kind of went back and forth and he was like, if you want, I can help you produce it. Like I'll come on as the producer to finish the thing. Yeah. But it would have been amazing to have someone from the beginning because then you're carrying the weight of it with someone else, you know, because yeah. really the director and the producer, are the only ones who see the project from the beginning all the way to the end. So it's pretty lonely without a producer because only you are carrying this project yeah. on your shoulders. Like uh, the sound guy pops up, does amazing work uh, for those days and then goes home and on to the next project, you know, like it's more like little segments of the film. Um, So in that sense, it's very tiring if you're on your own on a project. Yeah. Especially like it's nice to have someone at the beginning. Like now that I'm working with this guy at the end, I really know like how valuable it is that I would love someone at the beginning to kind of bounce ideas off with the script. Mm. and with this one the actress the, the wonderful thing that she did she brought in on someone she'd worked with before this dramaturg who mm. helped with like warming her up and all this stuff but also helped with bouncing ideas of the script because mm. you need that you can't just write a script in a box in your room and then like turn up on set and be like hi i've got it like you need no. the process for like other people checking in and yeah, so that's the thing that I think makes a difference when you're working in a more professional space. Yeah. Because in order to even get the funding, you have to have a certain quality of the script. But it does mean that everything becomes much more mm, standardized, you know? Yeah. Like uh, in, in Europe, there's a lot of these uh, film lab, uh, script labs, and everything goes through the same process in some ways and the same people. So, I mean, obviously, if you get something like super radical outside the box, they probably also like love it. But in some ways, everything becomes folded into the same style or the same box and pops yeah. out in a kind of similar way. So actually, the cool thing about making something a little bit more punk like this, that yes, it can end up with a more student aesthetic. But if you do things properly and like film in a more professional way as much as possible, you can create something that's very like original and a bit random. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, this... Uh, this doing it by yourself thing is very tiring. It's like, oh, yeah. Why? 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 And like, why you have to push it every moment, and why you have to persuade someone to? 
because uh, yeah, I don't know. And also in the end, you're like, does anyone even want to watch this? Like, yeah, I'm just why don't I just paint a painting? You know, because if the point is to express your creativity, I can just do something that's so much easier. You know? Yeah, I think it, I think it also makes you though because the one thing I've always admired about your level of work and your output is is that like you do take things very seriously and you do oh, i wish i didn't take things so seriously how nice to just be like <laughs> yay <laughs> but i mean like it's like i'm the same and i think i i it's sort of like to my detriment as well <laughs> but it's sort of like my love for film is very like whether it's paid or unpaid i just always take it very seriously and i think that's you know, not always possible for some people mm. because at the end of the day, like, yes, you're having fun, but you've got a certain finite mm. amount of shots mm. to get through. And yeah, yeah. Um, you're also on a clock, like, yeah, of the, of, you know, depending on light, yeah. which I think, um, <laughs> but I do like the idea that, you know, like I always think I try to work, especially with performance, and I think it comes down to my love of performing is working with similar-minded people mm. and, fi- you know, it's like cherry-picking the the people that you're like oh i love yeah, yeah, um love working with you because mm. you're very you know not like flexible but you you're yeah. in line with like yeah, my yeah. vision and i think um like when when everyone works on a clock and everyone's ticking along and doing well it's more like a smooth ship mm-hmm. and um like i love working with people especially you know um operators and creative like people who just know distinctly if I'm directing something and they go, oh, I've got an idea and cool. And like everyone actually can chat, not just be like, what do you think, director? Because you're (laughs) the only one who has vision. I'm like, no. Like there are about 20 ideas that I could probably think are good, but they might not actually be the best thing for the product in the end. Um, Do you find... (laughs) But I mean, it's so nice when you can find people that you're working like a, almost more like a band, no? Like when you're making music or jamming that you're kind of in this collaboration yeah. space or like in theater it's a lot more like this no yeah this collaborative theater and it's nice when film can be like this i mean obviously there can be some kind of hierarchy because people like to know what to do and who's going to follow the project <laughs> until the end except the director. but i really like this idea of a much more collaborative yeah it's uh yeah but then you have to find your people yeah like you have to build this community no yeah and for me that's what's a little bit hard when you're constantly changing country uh and working with different kinds of people like you learn a lot but uh then in your mind you're like okay i'll take the cinematographer from that place and then i'll take my my friend who does amazing sound from all the way over there like yeah this friend should just come on set because he gives me very good ideas and <laughs> she can be there because uh she's so friendly and makes such good energy and like she is like amazing behind the camera so she has to come too yeah and then like together but you can't do this because like she lives in germany and he lives like on yeah. a mountain somewhere <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. how do you build this and I don't know, for me, that's something I a little bit miss that to to be more like rooted and mm. build a crew from the place where you are, which was cool in the short to kind of start to put together a group of people that you like to work with. Yeah. But at the same time, also, every project's a bit different and you, you are building these families, huh? mm. which is it's nice. I mean, I like to work like this, but again, a lot of people prefer big set uh, energy, which is also nice. Yeah. I don't know what to do with a big set. <laughs> yeah. I, I I love I love small sets. Mm-hmm. I love the intimate family vibe. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I can think it's also because I've worked in TV for too long and <laughs> um it's probably because my entire department is like a little deranged family. What what department were you working on in TV? Um, like, what were you doing? Uh so I work in TV, I work in the tech department. Uh-huh. Uh which is called Master Control. 
we wait d- master control yeah no joke, <laughs> okay, well. no joke. it is called master control and interesting we, yeah i know <laughs> and we deal with um like fibers and feeds coming out of channel seven so we do that on a daily basis um so we deal with not live news coverage and everything it's a very you learn to translate a lot of people and find what people are trying to say and simplify it for yourself, which I think I love. Like, mm. that's not a skill that everyone has. Like, I, it's, and it's synthesis. Re- yeah, it's like because a lot of people I find take everything that people say verbatim. I'm like, no, you've got to read, like, the layers between everything. And I think a lot of the time, like, when people are learning or they don't know what something is or they've never worked in a field before, they're like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you might be able to understand what I'm saying. Mm. I'm like, well, yes or no. Like, and that's part of my job is to kind of, like, translate what people are asking for and where where they can receive it and stuff like that. Mm. So that's been, like, my last eight years of <laughs> tv life but i mean like in between everything like i've done photography i've done like film editing i've done like you know podcasting i've done sound um so i'm kind of like a jack of all trades i've mm. done performing like i i kind of yeah i love just creating so it's like mm-hmm. my little like if if tech pays me money then i get to do everything well, else yeah. i love outside of that have the money work yeah i know i well capitalism i really i really rake towards it i'm like yeah this... so, so when someone calls you to be on their crew you could fill in like many roles yeah be like the performing sound recording yeah what were the other things uh produ- i do producing okay. i oh, like okay. yeah i'm very good like i think the, <laughs> i think my favorite thing is like being said to me mountain um countless times everyone's like you're really good at just stringing a bunch of people who have never met together okay yeah and making them do yeah yeah perfect yeah like and doing something and just going do it um and getting everyone like really worked up and excited Uh, about an idea i love doing that stuff because it's like well you know and i used to have friends like bring me scripts and go hey what do you think of this i'm like i love it let's let's try and get a bunch (laughs) of people together and try and make it can you make this happen yeah no um, You're the make it happen guy, All right? Got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, just like cherry <laughs> cool, pick. Cool. It's just like <laughs> yeah. write this one down. Uh, he will make it happen. <laughs> so watch out. Um, yeah. You don't watch, want it to happen. Don't give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Um, but no, it's and I think it's also like interesting because it comes from a lot of my like post production side which mm. i loved um like i was really good at film editing and in like uni so a lot of that came out of. That I think I like managed to, especially in my year, I've managed to edit one of the most like difficult films because it was like directed so it was like a really well written script mm. and it was very particularly directed in a certain way. And I think I had to remove an entire scene um, because and there were like countless discussions about whether we should remove it. And it was like rated by my editing teacher as one of the best he'd seen in years. And I was like, well, this is a positive. Wow, um, cool. And it was like me and some other guy, a lovely man called Frank, who was from Scotland. And Frank. Uh, Frank. And no, okay, wait, it's not Frank. It's Frank. 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 <laughs> we do honor to the name. Sorry, I've got to know that Frank um, was there. And yeah, he was he was amazing. And he also did the other film that I think was picked at the best. Um, but there were like other ones that, you know, like you got category of best written, best directed and best edited. And I think he and I were like tied for like best edited. Um, but yeah, we were the ones who were just like loved doing editing class but also kind of just ended up probably in predominantly like non-editing class <laughs> it's always a way when you love editing in uni and you love and I, but i think i'm so particular as an editor mm. i love 
editing when the director like loves what they've done not when i don't know what the director loves uh, yeah come on like uh yeah it's no. very hard to edit for someone who has Doesn't, made a mess yeah, yeah. no and i think it's also like um i i sh- i've sort of been like on and off i think you know like if anyone knows my family history it's like my dad's a photographer and um that sort of like leverage gives me i a little bit of more of an understanding of like composition and everything um because i grew up and like sitting around him and just going <laughs> okay well you spend about eight hours here and you're taking it on film but um every time i watch something that hasn't been thought out about composition or i guess just in terms of what's happening in the scene mm. and i think the way i work is i'm very adaptable to everything you can't even if you plan, you can't be too rigid. Mm. You, it's impossible. Um, and things go wrong all the mm. time. Like things, you know, so you have to kind of think back to ways and getting out of things. And I think one of the best experiences uh, I had was, a, you know, like in between directing my own stressful things and like producing was just working with children um, because we had this set where we like literally we weren't knowing if it was going to rain and we had a backup plan of shooting indoors and I remember the director just went oh I haven't really thought of a backup a backup plan like he hadn't even thought of it and I, I was producing it and the first idea and I just like came up with a backup plan <laughs> like we were just like making notes mm. and and loving it and I think it was all down to just kind of having that mentality of like well if something falls over or someone you know calls in sick or something there's always like how much time like how is the quick turnaround can you make something out of like yeah yeah. someone not being on set and um yeah like the advantages of a few weeks back i ended up doing sound for one of my days which you know like i I even knew in the day because the wind was so strong we like it had it was like high winds in, in on a sydney beach and we filmed it and I was like, probably most likely I have to ADR it. But I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, well, I'm going to try my best to get as good enough sound yeah. as this is. But I also know, and I spoke to all the cast, I was like, you might have to come back later and re-record some of these lines because they are just like, you know, like the wind is so high no matter what you say and you're also physically running. So it's like. Okay, ciao. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. So I'm like, good luck. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that I mm. kind of think outside of that box. Mm. Um, but that's also been, I think, working in a tech department for so long and seeing what it's like with re- real life TV and re- especially like live broadcast, you learn how things like effect on air so quickly like we have we've had live crosses from like international crosses you know and you know people get so funny about things like delay where it's like you're on the other side of the planet so you know if no one knows how the satellite works you shoot a signal up in the sky that's about a second it goes down again that's a second if it's got to jump around the world it's got to go up again Mm. down again so you've got three seconds people think that's a like eternity it's yeah. actually great because, you know, like it means you've got three seconds to work out a problem before it hits where you're seeing it or, you know, if yeah, so it's like you're constantly ahead mm-hmm. of the game. But, yeah, everything I do is like you can fix something 10 seconds before it goes to an air and no one will notice. Like yeah. I've had that happen so It's <laughs> so interesting. Um, yeah, so it, it's like I'm very good at that like eureka moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or like having many, many backup plans that you have yeah. to go through very, very fast. Like, yeah. And I think, I think it's also work, like, I try to work with very similar like-minded people because um, when I've worked, especially because I'm I, like, whether I'm doing something paid or free, I always try and get there early. 
um, or like on time. Like I try to aim for the two because I think it was like the lesson you learned in school and TAFE, which was early as on time and on time is late. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so it was a very weird mentality, but I remember that always being the thing. And I think just because I've been on set where like some people are an hour late or two hours late and you just like, you do really impact the entirety of the production if or like everything yeah. like what's the worst like situation other than like an, a, you know an actor yeah, yeah, yeah. like what's been the worst for you oh for me well yeah this actress not even coming to the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally having to be like cool i guess we'll just shoot without her then um and put her in later somehow yeah which and... have you edited all that together yet mm-hmm. Yeah, and it works. works. It works? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it made... So I did the first edit, then I gave it to, again, my producer was already on yeah. the project by this time. So it's an editor that he knew, who's this really nice director, who's also an editor. And uh, I, when I gave it to him, he's like, okay, my process, I mean, even though you've done an edit, that's like a guideline for me. Um, but I'm going to still look at all the raw material and look at like look at everything. I was like, yep, sure. Yeah. But... Just just a heads up, like some of these scenes, I've literally edited it in probably the only possible way that it can be edited, <laughs> just because of how we shot. And yeah. I wish that there had been a producer on set or like a proper AD to kind of keep track to, of a lot of things, because mm-hmm. maybe some of them can be nice to have more cutaways because we were shooting in this really weird style of yeah. her like not being there. And, you know, sometimes you're racing the light, you're tired. I had to go to like the doctor at some point on the last day. So we had to finish my midday so I get my doctor appointment. Everything was just so like random. Mm. So for the edit time was kind of like a challenge, you know, well, for me to edit at first was a challenge. Yeah. And then uh, for him to go on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think if there were any other experiences like of that level. No, that was probably like <laughs> there was a very funny one though when I was because in in Bosnia we were working on each other's sets, so mm. I was usually the first AD of the others. That ah. was like my role. So everyone, like at the beginning, you're all kind of playing different roles, and then people understood like who was good at doing which thing. Yep. So like some people, you'd always ask them to be the cinematographer, and someone you'd always ask to be the sound. And sometimes it changed a little bit because I mean all of us could do all of the things. Yeah. But you kind of fell into the patterns, and again, like you would kind of shoot with the same people. Like you liked the energy of this person on set, so mm. you'd bring them on. Um, and we had a similar experience to what you were describing of like something had gone wrong and we're just sitting there like smoking a million cigarettes, having a million coffees, calling all of these different people with the schedule, me and the director. And it was because in Sarajevo, if you go out the one of the exits of the city, because the city is a valley Mm. and uh, it's a split city, the same way the country is split. So Mm. part of it is Republika Serbska, which is the Serbian part. And part Mm -hmm. of it is the Federation, which is the Bosniak part. And if you go out one exit of the city, you immediately go into the Republika Serbska part, who have a different police, uh, a different police. Oh, yeah. So the part of the road that the director wanted to shoot on, we got the permit, but the lady who was in charge of production at the school, she'd only got the permit for the Federation, not for that road, which was actually Republika Serbska. And she had kind of like not really realized properly because she was, you know, making mistakes randomly. But also it was super confusing of like, how do you do this? And then we were trying to understand, uh, and then there were different regulations, like m- there was a police escort that we had to have, uh. but then the police escort was only free on Tuesday between like 8 and 8.30, something very random. Uh. And all of these like things, that there were a hundred other like factors, like the actor was also only free. You know how it is, you're, yeah. you're like rescheduling. So it was so funny, like sitting in this cafe, we were, like both of us on the phone, like, okay, can the police do this? Talking to her, can you organize this? And like, it was such a high energy, like we hung up and our eyes were like shining. We're like, <gasps> we love this. It was so funny. 
it's like it was just complete chaos and mm. like we we're looking at the schedule and i'm like wait i have an idea and i was like my god this is like this like super ad side of me that i'm just like so happy to like move the schedule around you know because like, in some ways it's very creative as well but in this yeah. way that you wouldn't really think you know like usually you're exploring your creativity in another direction yeah so to like explore this side of like scheduling <laughs> creativity was like ooh. <laughs> like look at me rescheduled yeah. everything yeah exactly exactly but, like wait how much do you really love that scene? Like, could we do this and this? And at some point I was like, yeah, we can cut it. We can cut it. I was like, no, but I love that scene. No, it's gone. Like, we cannot have the shop. Like very dramatically, like throwing bits of scripts in the air. <laughs> so yeah, that was the other time that I can think. It's very like chaos, uh, chaos arriving. But in, I don't know. Every production has its own like little corner yeah. of chaos at some point for whatever reason. <laughs> that just reminds me of like um, when I had to book like the Helensburg Tunnel um a few years back which is like i found out through trying to book it through the council that it was crown land and it wasn't Ooh. owned by the council it was owned by the crown wait you had to write to the queen yeah it's the it ex-queen. felt like that yeah um the ex-queen no longer and i was, like it was such a back and forth of just trying to work out who owned it and then finally i got on to the right people and they were just like oh yeah no you can have it um but it was such a i remember just being like sitting there with email chains like probably like 50 emails going back and forth of what what papers I was meant to fill out and who was meant to um, fill out what. And, yeah, it's the same, like, um, it's the same recently. If you go up to um, Kayama, Bombo Quarry is owned by the Waterland, Sydney Water, mm. as well as Kayama Council. But there's certain sides that they own and there's a split right down the middle Whoa, okay, so so there's like all these like you know all these famous sites that here in australia like the permits are just nuts like there's always like oh which side are you filming on because that affects how much you you know the charge is wow so you just i'm gonna film on the cheap side of the river yeah and um, basically I, I think i got the free side and then we ended up using the costly <laughs> side because no one was there to stop us and it was really weird because i always find like permits like y- you get because it's just easier but there's always like public access and people always end up there like you never really own the road (coughs) but don't you ever wonder like in retrospect like what if one day someone from that council goes to watch your movie and they're like that looks like the blah 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 side i don't think they paid for that like do they have a permission like it's not in the credit you know what i mean yeah i know it's kind of weird like fear or guilt that like one day someone from the council will watch your film and realize like i don't remember them paying for that rock yeah <laughs> what do you mean they, they shot there yeah. um but there's interesting part of like sometimes you can't put down a tripod but if you're in a crew of less than five you can shoot without paying yes so like there's these other like strange corners they're like cool everything's suddenly very handheld <laughs> yeah it's like in sydney if you want to shoot in greater sydney don't have a crew more than eight or nine oh, people. it's pretty big well including cast Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so it's quite small. Um and 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 therefore you don't really need a permit. And like look, there are some parks that they don't give a crap about like as long as you don't make a ruckus. Mm. Um but yeah, like a lot of heritage land mm. and everything like that, they do like you signing permits like mm. because you know, they just, you know, it's people. Mm-hmm. They just like to know that their land is being used and where it's going to be advertised, but it, it it is a funny process. I've done it too many times. <laughs> done it so many times and i think like one of my favorite friends um from uni helped a lot with it because he used to work in the tax office and so he would be the one who kind of like 
helped me understand a lot ah, of the legalities. Cool. Um, because yeah, had I learned straight out of uni, I like <laughs> wouldn't have had a clue what I was doing. Because like no one ever teaches you. Oh, yeah, like where do you learn this stuff? I mean, unless you go and intern in a production office. Okay, that's probably yeah, that's yeah, that's where you learn it. In, <laughs> that's when in you your learn. Work, uh, yeah, you, I know. When you um, do it. Because, yeah, like, though with your, like, filmmaking and everything, like, because did you, you've done performing as well. Like, you're a bit of a performer. (laughs) Would you call, like, what kind of performer would you call yourself? Uh, A failed one. A (laughs) completely failed one. Who uh, changed side of the camera. No, uh, yeah, I never think of myself anymore as a performer until I accidentally perform and I'm like, I love this. Yeah. It's really something that... Yeah, I left behind when I changed side of camera, no? Yeah. I mean, I actually, that's not true. I didn't really because the first film I was acting in it. Yes. But my main energy was on directing it and then all that. Like I was kind of in it even to kind of support the guy who was acting. So I understood that like instead of telling him what to do, who was a non-actor, I could feed him energy and feed him lines by being there with him. And, mm. you know, we talked about it and like this. But then, of course, you couldn't direct him because you were there in the scene. It's not going to be like, ah, excuse me, uh, you have to say that better to me. Like, no, you're in the shot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, so it's a different way of directing by jumping literally in. Mm. Um, and we had a very good connection, like really trustful, full of trust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trusting connection. So that really helped. But yeah, I don't think of myself as a performer much anymore. But... Yeah, I really like it still. Like, yeah. I was um, accidentally in a shooting in, in Italy. And uh, I was kind of like, hmm, like I hope someone spots me. <laughs> I hope someone asks me to do more of this work because it's very easy and very fun. Yeah. Um, easy, I mean, because I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> not saying the work is easy because, you know, you have to do a lot of stuff. But I also think like when you're acting, you have to have a very specific relationship with your own emotions. Mm. And having done acting or like from when I was a kid, I was doing like speech and drama. No? So you're kind mm. of studying how to use the voice or how to move in the space, how to improvise this, this kind of stuff. Mm. It's usually just solo. But anyway, you you give a lot or don't give a lot, mm. um, but you are using your emotions and using your like muscle memory and emotional memory. Mm. And if you aren't emotionally okay, it can really make a huge mess yeah. for yourself, you know? Or you can just be shit because you try and get there emotionally and you just can't because in yourself you haven't explored that yeah. side of your emotions. So it's it's a big thing to ask someone to act for you. Mm. And because I've been on that side of it, I feel I can understand better as a director like what I'm actually asking them to do. Mm. Um, which is also, yeah, it's important because there has to be this kind of trust. Yeah. To, yeah. Because, like, with your own emotions and everything, and you know, especially with the creating, like, it's a very, I think, very vulnerable thing to do, especially write stories, because there's a little bit of element of, like, even though you're like, oh, I write them around people I know and stuff, there's always a little bit of element of ourselves in everything that we do. Like, how in touch are you with your own emotions? Uh, Getting better. Mm. Um, In terms of, like, work stuff... I feel you're always making your best work when you're going home in your work. No? Mm. So you're making from a place of very much your reality. Even if it's not a physical reality, maybe it's an emotional reality, but there has to be something true that comes from you in mm. this space. Um, but yeah, it took me a long time to kind of let myself be vulnerable in mm. in all, all the way. 
but also not really like this first film I made it was like incredibly revealing and in some ways it's like cool maybe I can't talk about my emotions but I can put them in a film mm. so then you also have this strange game of like maybe instead of this film you should just do some therapy you know <laughs> because like you know you're it's a it's a product people pay and watch it and yeah. pay you to do it so people have to want to watch something it has to be visual yeah vi visible you know yeah so there's also this space of like the films that are maybe like private personal films that are a kind of like just creative outlet that can be like essay films or these kind of things that don't take a lot of money to make or produce and maybe mm. no one will ever watch them but they're also part of the creative process they're like yeah. the, the side projects that you have to do mm. and for me this is a very nice like process of the emotions to put certain films or projects like this yeah that uh maybe are not for the consumption of the others because <laughs> i would never ask someone to like watch my therapy diary or whatever yeah but uh that and any also like this practice of combining images it for me is very relaxing so yeah. often i am i am doing collage physically combining images because it's it's very a similar process and again it's a way to like meditate on a person or an idea yeah um and it's not a very profound thing i mean i mean pinterest is already <laughs> you know, like you're just making a mood board it's not yeah. Really profound at all. yeah whatever but uh, i really like it yeah and uh, this as well helps me to process process the emotions yeah yeah do you like because that, that that like must be difficult in some ways as well I mean, I collect a shit ton of paper everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are we talking about collaging or what? <laughs> Both collaging and therapy, <laughs> self-therapizing. Because I mean, like you know, I've I I think like <laughs> love the you know, just no, no seriously, like I literally came back here and unpacked my bag and I'm like, ah, all of these images I collected last time. I was so happy to find this like giant stack of like useless paper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's do do you feel like you know that. Are you one of those like people who just goes, oh, you know, like trauma is what defines my filmmaking or like, you know, because I, I know a lot of people talk about like, you know, I guess the trauma artist that, you know, <laughs> like especially when we make film. Um, and I, I know I'm, I'm a big advocate of mental health, but I, I've noticed <laughs> I've noticed the other side of the coin, which is like what's it, you know, being called a drama queen or everything like that or, you know, like, um, you know, like m's father gets worried and you know and i'm like what's de-stigma um destigmatizing a lot of like pent-up things but when i do remember like a lot of friends being like oh, i'm the troubled artist and i <laughs> this is you know art is my soul and my torment um and i don't know i just like i don't i don't feel like anything that i've ever created is really like <laughs> Truly, I think it, there are always elements, mm. but I don't like. It, though it's interesting that you say that because I think with this podcast, I've talked more openly about anything than I even probably like told my therapist really <laughs> in one setting, because it's like this recording booth that has no judgment mm. and um, like it, it's talking into the black box. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a funny process because I think there's like a huge misconception. Um, like miscommunication um like assumption of you know like that you know what we do or how we deal with things is like not based on sort of some sort of like you know we're always happy or we're always enjoying what mm. we do and then we don't have any like downtime and you know, like doing little art things like collages and mm. you know collecting ideas is like i 
I just sort of like write notes and sometimes mm. like organizing a schedule is like really therapeutic to yeah. me. I'm like, oh, now I know my week. Yeah. Oh. Um, like I find those more therapeutic than I do actually like sometimes making a film. I find that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, way more stressful. Actually, yeah. For me, like uh, a lot of time I have trouble differentiating between reality and fantasy. No, really? I'm very, I vary in my head and very floating. So there's something very beautiful in the writing process because mm. you're in pure fantasy, you know? And uh, obviously part of the process, the way I'm writing is pulling it into something that's filmable and that can mm. be real and that can be made together because of the way I like to work. Is yeah. You're making it together. So... It's almost like two processes. One and, and some piece of me is like, why don't you just be an author? Again, <laughs> just because you want to, not for everyone to read, but like yeah. do that too. Like write random stories that are set maybe in space, something that is just not going to happen when you yeah. film it. Because in some ways, the way I, my film process is also limiting to what I can imagine. Yeah. You can only film what can be filmed. <laughs> yeah. With a small budget, a small crew and together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, what, I can't remember where I said that. no, I love that though. I was going to ask, what, it, like, what do you like love? What, what goes on in your head? What's the sort of normal thought process, especially like with genres and ideas? What, like, what, it, where do they all come from? Mm, oh yeah, I remember why I said this before. So it's connected to this question. <laughs> that, um, sorry, I'm really tired. Huh? <laughs> so like, an image comes into my mind and then it disappears. This is to answer why I'm not answering directly and also to answer the question directly. <laughs> it's both. An image comes into my mind and then it disappears and it's like on some subconscious level there's an archive of images. And some of them have already fit themselves into different stories that at some point will be yeah. made or will not be made because a lot of films exist in your head and you see them the entire thing. Mm. But maybe you would just never make it. And yeah. that that's also that's also fine. <laughs> like, uh, But yeah, so there's often these very strong images like from a dream. Mm. or even from dreams and then it's a process kind of like collaging of understanding how these fit together and for me because it's quite a subconscious process it actually helps me to look at what photos I've been taking recently mm. or at what images I've been pulling out of the pile of images that I collect you know mm. it's almost like reading the tarot you read the taraki and you're like okay here is this that's come out and you're like how strange mm. so like for a period there were these I was or like what you're naturally very drawn to, you know, like when you meditate and you open your eyes and where your, your mind kind of fixes straight on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is kind of like this. And then there's also these logical things like, okay, yeah, I know I'd like to make a film in this place. So like, I'd like to make a film like with this actress, like I want me to make a film with this actress. So like, how mm -hmm. do I combine her and who she is yeah. with these ideas that I'm interested in exploring with these images that have been popping up around and in my mind. Yeah. So it's this kind of, yeah, like collaging, collating process of bringing all these elements together to then write something or make something which yeah or just not write something and make something like write it and then never make it because that's also like definite reality <laughs> just like keep doing that but especially if like it takes two years to make it you know like uh i'm at a, at a i'm at a point now where i'm actually going to write a bunch of projects and then go in this more professional angle of like pitching for funding for them because mm. it's it's tiring to be in this space where you have these ideas and you have you have this vision but uh it's going to take so long or you're limited yeah. and it uh it's like okay better to go more slowly and focus on one or even put like two or three seeds out into the world and see what comes back mm. rather than like freezing up and be like oh i'm not going to write it until i have 
the actors and the locations. Yeah. And just just write something and put the seeds out there. And then you can develop it more if there's some some feedback coming back. Yeah. I agree with that. I think I I always encourage people to write as well. Never stop really like writing. Um I was <laughs> I like even I I sort of always thought outside the box of just giving people challenges. Um, I'm very good at giving people challenges because <laughs> I'll go to them like if I ever want anyone to like challenge themselves, I go, here's like write a story. Here's your limitations mm-hmm. of what you can do. Actually, uh, there's a really cool director who made a book about this. Mm-hmm. It's called like oh, fuck, mm, something like let's say 52 uh, situations. Mm. And he looked in all there was an essay written about I want to say theater, maybe fiction books that there are only a certain kind of narratives and certain kind of stories so he adapted that to cinema Mm. and he's like okay there's only like let's say 52 different situations that can happen and then he made these playing cards that come with the book and there's this game that you can play that you just like take out three situations and then you have to write a script based on those three situations it's really cool oh wow as like an exercise i mean it sucks if you're like murder betrayal incest you're like cool that's not what i wanted to make a film about today but that they are the key things in the story. <laughs> Let's begin. <laughs> I mean, my my favorite films um, tend to probably be quite like human based, as well as like a, a look into you know kind of what the you know a main character is going like mm. a character study. I love mm. character study yeah, films, um, and I particularly like. I think it's always helped because, you know, like growing up watching a lot of late night SBS movies, <laughs> um, which were just, you know, like on TV back when, you know, kids watch free to air. Yeah, I remember free to air. Yeah, I, I know. was imagining it the other day. I was like, you would turn on your TV and there'd just be things showing. Yeah. And they would be halfway through and, and uh, there'd only be five options. Yeah. Wow. And you just kind of kept with it. You didn't uh, argue. Yeah. Um, no, that was my entire childhood. <laughs> Um, and I think, I think, you know, nineties kid. Um, and I think like, you know, this is the thing about streaming and so on and so forth, but I was watching, like, I, I think what I love, especially about like independent art form as well as like, you know, it's a mixture between like professionalism, you know, and independent art form is like, you know, directors who can do both or like, you know, like, you know, you have that indie feel to them, but also have a layer of truth and character study Mm -hmm. and everything. And I think um it's it's funny like you know with the world being glossed over by superhero films and stuff which sort of like feels a little bit mediocre now yeah it's confusing why this is still a thing i think it's because a lot of kids just like shiny things but it's so odd like how is it possible they keep popping out more superhero films but also for adults no like all of these Mm. And I'm so confused. Like, sorry, didn't we already have like eight of these? Yeah. And aren't they all a bit the same? Maybe they're not because I actually haven't watched them. So maybe they're <laughs> all like doing, you know, different kinds of character study. Or I mean, I'm sure they are I, different I mean, plots. But uh... I, I've watched all of them. And sometimes when they do it right, they do it right. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when they do it wrong, I'm like, okay, that was nice. I. I... <laughs> but it's because they are drawing on this... Uh, this fan base of these comics, right? Like they're not inventing these stories or these characters. No, no I think they're only about like the only invention they have is like writing their own like connection to uh-huh. it all, but like to make a bigger thing. But I think like Mons, you know, like, you know, the fact that it's all owned by a Disney conglomerate now and, you know, like, <laughs> um, and I, and I think because 
like I was watching um, every time I watch like Star Wars or stuff like now, I just kind of I'm a bit worn out. I like I I love the original trilogy, and I think mm. the reason I love it, and it's the same with like Indiana Jones and stuff like old movies, was because they were kind of made from the ground up. They knew what they were. They were made very cheap. Yeah. Um, like I I love the fact that Star Wars the first one was made by George Lucas, and he basically said, I don't care about money. All I want is the merchandise rights. <laughs> and he made bank off just merchandise. Yeah, it's insane. Like, you know, that was the smart – like, he was a businessman. He knew. Yeah. But um, the same, like, I watched – like, I grew up watching Alfred Hitchcock and a lot of those films. Um, some of them look really cheap, and then some of them look, like, amazing. Especially, like – but it was really interesting because when he went to Hollywood um, – he didn't like it that much. Like there was a few films that he like were very particularly Hollywood and he actually struggled more with that than he did with making mm. films outside of the Hollywood brand like Psycho, which I think was the most controversial film because he killed his main character off in the first like 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> and everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you can't do that. Mm. Even though it happened in the book, like it happened and he took it, solely from you know like material mm. but yeah apparently according to the execs department they were very annoyed that he did it even in the film it's radical action yeah I know. <laughs> but you know like there's all these films that i i sort of like look back on to and and i think um you know like i i, I think one of my favorite um robert eggers is one of my favorite directors mm. at the moment yeah, because he, um you know production designer you can really tell by like lighthouse weird um i love that film it's so cool it's so good (laughs) like william defoe and robert patterson are like what a crazy combination i know but also if if you like okay like if in the moment of twilight you were like this guy (laughs) who's being this weird vampire thing he's gonna end up in this like dark crunchy film with william defoe and in like 10 years, I don't know how long it was. Yeah, but he You'd was also... Like, no. But it, it's also just like, I think the thing was I went to go and see it with a friend who didn't expect halfway through to see Robert Patterson masturbating to a mermaid. Oh, yeah. Like, like or having sex with one. Go yeah, like, back to the same th- thought, like, go back to Twilight Time. Yeah, yeah. In 10 years, this, this is what he's going to be doing. doing. <laughs> like, wait, what? I think it was like, you know, like way wackier. But I think the thing I love about Robert Patterson is he's like always said in interviews, like, give me weird scripts, like give me like mm. weird fucking things. Cause he like, he loves uh, independent film. Mm. So does William Dafoe. Like William Dafoe is like yeah. a huge independent actor. He lives in Rome, you know? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was in um, Abel Ferrara's film of some years ago, Tommaso. Uh, yes. Playing Abel, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, the God, that's... Yeah, like remember... with, with Abel's wife and kid in the film, which is kind of crazy too. Wow. Yeah, really interesting. Um, he's had a career. Doesn't he, doesn't he speak a few languages? He tries to speak Italian. <laughs> Fails? No, no, he's he's good. Like, he, he speaks mm. it, but... Uh, it's hard to act in a different language. Yeah. I don't know how often he's acting a film completely in Italian. Yeah. How's it? Because you live in Italy now, how good's your Italian? It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I can survive. You can so. survive. Do you feel like you've picked up an accent now over time? Apparently, in the last period, I got a Milan accent. Yeah. Which is uh, not popular for the rest of Italy, but that's that's where I've been living. So I absorbed this. Are you very like, because I feel like this is where your performer comes out. You just adapt. Ah, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like also with the body language. Mm. And it's it's a bit confusing because, I mean, I'm not Italian, so I don't have to think in this way or 
and I don't really go all the way to the thought level, but yeah. in terms of like certain attitudes, it's like I actually don't feel like that. Like, why do I have to mm. behave in this way? But it's like you're absorbing so much of the surroundings that kind of pops out in different in different ways. Yeah. But it's kind of fun with the language, actually, if you absorb the face of the language, no? Mm. That uh, maybe you don't have so much vocabulary, but you're doing the right facial expressions or like the right, like, or like these strange noises that happen or like certain ways of replying or mm. like certain kind of slang. It isn't really even slang. It's things that more like children say. Yeah. And if you start to do those things, you actually don't have to speak that much of the language and people will think that you understand them really well and that you can you can speak much more than you can, which is quite interesting, this kind of performative side of language. Oh, my yeah, God. It's really interesting. I really like this. I feel I spend more time learning that than trying to like learn vocab. <laughs> You're just like, what's, complete what's, stupid. Like, what's the right sound effect for this situation? Like, no, why don't you just learn some adjectives? Yeah. <laughs> no, I must know the best sound effect. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Adjectives are overrated. I know. I, it's like, I, you know, I, I think that's really interesting. I like also that you talked about your, you know, coming back to Sydney and also like loving where you live now and having less connection to Australia mm. than you used to. Mm. Um, do you think then like what, what brings you always back here? What's, what's the main reasons that you come back to Australia these days? Mm. Interesting. Each time a bit different. Mm. So the first time, the first main time, like COVID essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I've come back for work. I'm working on a documentary that will shoot a bit in, uh, in the North. Mm. And also, I wanted to come back. I have friends here now and like have a nice community here. Mm. Um, it's Christmas, so family stuff. Mm. Previously, I was coming back more like, yeah, it's time to visit my family. I haven't been back to Australia for a while. Mm. Or like, it's time to figure out how to finish university, you know? So more like life admin or family things. But yeah, being here for two years, forced to be here. Like, it definitely wasn't my choice, let's say. I wouldn't have thought to come back. But uh, it was a very good action because mm. to like re-put down the roots now, because since this time of when we met in university, I hadn't really been back for two years. I'd been back yeah. for like two months, three months, you know, and you grow a lot since that time and you change and I had changed what I was doing and changed majors. So you kind of drift apart from those friends that you, that yeah. I, at least I did from the people I'd met then. Still like love to catch up with them, but you've gone in different directions now yeah. and that's, you know that's fine that's what life does so yeah it's, it was very beautiful to come back and make new connections with australia mm. still with some old friends but then having new characters and a new reality even if <laughs> like there's also this odd awareness that because i've been so long away now i'm able to live here as an expat in a way that i hadn't before mm. not Mm, I think it's more of a mentality. It's like doesn't really change anything I do physically or like anything really. Yeah. But in the sense of like, let's take advantage of these amazing things that are in Australia. Whereas mm. in the past I was like, okay, like I guess I'll just be here. Now it's like, oh, so cool that there's like this amazing place to swim or like how amazing the nature here. And like, yeah. Oh, let's go and have like a picnic on the cliffs. Like, ah, let's play music in this location. How cool. Yeah. And like exploring and going around. And that definitely wasn't my attitude before. Yeah. Um, and really like here, there is such a good nature, you know, um, in the, in the middle of the city, like we're living 
in such a crazy place to have the ocean like right there mm. that you just don't have really anywhere else maybe in portugal a bit yeah but uh to have a city like this is really incredible so yeah it's cool to reconnect to this i th- i love that you're kind of like a tourist in you know like your own city <laughs> it's it's kind of the way to be it's a nice way to live yeah like uh I mean, tourist is maybe one step too far, but I mean, <laughs> but no, but at the same time, yes, why not? Because yeah. like Sydney is massive. Yeah. Like there's so many national parks inside the city. Yeah. Um, there's all like the Blue Mountains, the Royal National Park. And I don't know, I had never really explored like this side of my interests in Sydney before. Mm. Like uh, when I was in university, I was just here in the, in the West. Uh, yeah. I in, mean. Yeah. In this like city, like, oh, cool. Like what's the cool new bar? What's the cool cafe? You know? Yeah. I think it's also like remembering you back in the day versus you now like i can see like i can see the difference because like yeah it was very you you back then from like you know i was very young as well but i think it's like you know you did see that kind of like like a little bit more yeah like sydney sydney kind of whatever like Mm -hmm. uni work uni work like i'm gonna get away from all this anyway um and there was less of a connection and i think now it's like you've come back with just like bright eyes and kind of like excitement yeah um i think it's an attitude no yeah because also at that time like i was super into wanting to be in china and wanting to be in that place even Mm. if it wasn't actually china but that kind of place where you're interacting with people from all over the world Mm. like this very international feeling and uh so sydney wasn't stimulating me in that way and because i was very interested in this more like urban landscape sydney wasn't stimulating that either Mm. and now it's like okay well why don't you just be stimulated by the reality that you're in (laughs) so i mean sydney has this amazing side of it that's that's great Mm. and actually i don't know it's also like a slow change in pathway no to kind of go a bit more back towards the nature Mm. and uh towards the ocean and it's so nice like it's something i really missed this period in europe like to not have the ocean there yeah it's uh something very crazy here and also like what's nice here is you can meet your friends for free you know yeah um and i know that a lot of people like to meet their friends in a bar or a pub or for a coffee but here like you can meet your friend on a cliff yeah or like in a park by the ocean or in a park not by the ocean anywhere and you can be in such a nice i think actually it also depends if it's raining or not this is i understand it's been raining here like constantly this last this last year and yeah the last years but when it's not raining theoretically you can meet anywhere yeah and uh not pay to see your friends which i also really appreciate yeah it's you're not kind of like told you can't sit in a park or you know yeah, or like I don't know in uh, in 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 Milan, there's not so much option, so many options for this. Yeah. Um. So it's like okay, I have to. I mean, it's not like a coffee. I mean, it's one euro coffee, so it's not. But conceptually, I like the idea that you can go for a walk with your friend. Mm. And I think that changed a bit here in COVID because I never thought of Australia in that way before. It was still a thing that like, hey, let's meet for a coffee. And then in COVID, it was like, let's meet for a walk. It's yeah. Like, ah, this is so much better. Yeah. Also, it's nice to walk and talk. It's nice to think and be in the nature, even if it's a mis- I don't know. I think for me, COVID changed a lot of how I was seeing the city. Yeah. It's interesting. I always sort of think that COVID's one of those things that really changed how I saw people hmm. um, in a good way. <laughs> Not in a negative way. But I think it was like, it also made me just really dis- like appreciate like the, 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 you know, like, you know, the effort that people put in as well and kind of just like, um, you know what 
what I got out of it as well because I was like I was living on my own for two years so I just like had this hunker down Mm. um no one other than my parents I went to see and so that really taught me a lot about like who came into my life who came out of my life Mm. and now there's friends that I don't even speak to like you (laughs) I I'm one of I'm quite similar to you as in like I just drift away from some people and that's fine like I've just accepted that kind of like you know and I and there's new people like I'm constantly making new friends all the time because I'm like um you know I think you it's exciting to live that way and you know there's so many people I haven't met yet and will meet one day mm-hmm. um but yeah like I do I you know like I think you just COVID's really helped connect with people on very different levels than it used to like I think I don't you know talk about super I want to say superficial things, but you're not talking about similar interests. You're kind of almost talking about life experiences mm. and, you know, and things that actually feel a bit more character defining than you just being like, oh, I like this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. It's like <laughs> you're now just like, you know, because everyone was living the same life for like two years. Um, it kind of really taught you to kind of really open up and, you know, communicate properly. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. Like the the subject matter of the conversation becomes yeah deeper somehow. I I mean like I definitely lost friends because of how like <laughs> how open I became um which you know I don't take as a bad thing but I I definitely like you know when I talked about my like life experiences and my own mental health and everything I think it was just like some people didn't you know like come to terms with their own experiences in life and therefore were just like mm. Mm. like uh, my favorite term is i got put into the too hard basket um <laughs> which is always my favorite term and i think um it just made me appreciate like things that i do and and the things that i love um was really from covid because i i like you know like i think when before covid i really hated the busyness mm. of life mm. i really hated this sort of like mm. sense of you had to do everything you had to meet deadlines mm. like you have to be a certain age to do things like you've got to do it all before you're 30, you know, like, um, and now I just don't care. Like I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just very like, but yeah, when is this before you're 30? For me, I, I, what I really appreciated was that you didn't have to have a plan anymore. Mm. It was always so hard. Everyone was like, so what do you, what are you planning to do? What, what's the next step? Mm. I, was like, I don't know when, when it arrives, it will happen, you know, but you always had to have a next step and have the next idea of like, where are you going to go next or even like how am I going to deal with my visa or everything mm. anything like this and in COVID that was all kind of deleted at least for me also because coming back in Australia back to Australia I didn't need to worry about a visa anymore so mm. that was great for one thing for sure that was amazing um but to not be able to plan which in some ways was pretty stressful mm. but on other ways was like so liberating it's like yeah I don't know what's going to happen in six months am I going to be here can we leave yet who knows but uh, I'm here now. It was almost like all of this like meditation concepts and ideas of being present were like thrown in your face. It's like, okay, now you actually have to live like that. <laughs> Do that meditation Buddhist stuff, that thing yeah. that you were thinking about. Yeah, actually live like that now. It's like pretty nice. <laughs> I really liked it. Because <laughs> do, you, do you classify yourself as very spiritual? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, classify myself. I don't like to put names on things. You don't much of a label, are you? <laughs> I really struggle with that, actually. But yeah, I would say I'm spiritual. Yeah, because yeah. like, For sure. <laughs> I mean, I can I can say it like you know, wh- because like, what do you what do you love? I guess about sort of connecting with people. What's your favorite thing to you know? Because you're you're such a you love, I guess, really connecting and mm. real like scoping out people. Mm. What do you love about that so much? Mm. 
I think for me, it's a learning process. Mm. So I'm very curious of how other people are doing their lives. Because I'm learning how I can do my life. And I yeah. think my whole life, I'll be learning how I can do my life. Maybe <laughs> at the end, I'll be like, aha, got it. That's how you should do life in a good way. But I don't know. Even this word should, I don't really believe it. Yeah. So it's very interesting because I'm so curious. Like everyone has made different choices, you know, mm-hmm. on every level of like how to behave, of how to interact, of how to live. And it's like completely a choose your own adventure, you know, mm-hmm. your life. And uh, I find that fascinating. And also like questioning, for me, it's so interesting, this idea of the society, you know? Mm. And because I'm moving culture quite often, you get this quite culturally relative perspective of basically everything. Mm. Um, so it's very interesting to meet people and to try and understand like which things come from them personally and which things come from the society. Yeah. And for me, I'm always very curious of this on some level of like, ah, how interesting. Because then you can you kind of start to see patterns like, ah, like, other people are also thinking this in this space and in this reality right now. So when you're arriving in places with fresh eyes, I mean, or trying to keep fresh eyes after a while of being in a place. Mm. For me, this is very interesting. And one of the things I really like when you're like talking to people and kind of drawing out, because there is something universal underneath all of it, you know? Mm. And that's what's kind of interesting. This thing of in some way we are all connected. So like how, where are the lines? Yeah, and how how people tell their own stories about themselves, and how people draw their own lines, because it's like something you were saying before about uh, the this traumatized artist idea. No, mm. that uh, it's quite interesting because it's a story that you're telling to yourself, and that's uh, in some way even maybe as a justification, but definitely like as a story that you're narrating, and everyone tells their own story very differently. Mm. And uh, for me, that's really interesting how people. Are, yeah talking to themselves yeah yeah i think it's like um it's it's never like sort of the way the the, yeah it's it's very much like the way i view myself and you know i think the over the years i've never really connected with sydney and Mm -hmm. on a a lot of (laughs) a lot of ways and i think that came out of like just traveling a lot of traveling but i've been sort of like um, I think I just stuck here because it was convenient mm. and I think had i like, I told my younger self, I probably would have just left, <laughs> um, you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty. but I mean, also I just like, yeah, I'm always about like, you know, meeting new people and, and going out and sort of like hearing, you know, like people's stories because I don't, I don't always like what society tells us to be like, mm. I'm very like anti, um, capitalism and anti-structure i just think that you know we we put labels to things that automatically go well that's easy that's that's where you need to fit in your box and that's Mm. what society tells you and i i'm terrible at fitting in boxes i never have um and never will and i think you know even growing up um i noticed that getting older and older and i think you know just the way i identify the way i see the world through my eyes and then just like gauging people i'm very good at gauging people and i think then that puts you know like i used to trust people very easily Mm. but now i i'm very careful with my trust like i use it like very Mm. like like a key um (laughs) which i which i love and i think it comes to the same reason that i love telling certain types of stories um but yeah it's like my huge love i guess for film and and like performance based and stuff is is kind of connecting to meeting and connecting and you know um 
you know, like one on one side, making people laugh, but making people feel and connect. Um, like it's why I love going, you know, I used to go to the art gallery alone. I used to mm-hmm. like, I, I, you know, used to go to the theater alone. Like I used to just go and see film and theater and, and stuff on my own. Cause I never really understood that anyone kind of got it to what I was feeling was the point of half these performance pieces and stuff like that. And I felt like a lot of people just liked mainstream, <laughs> like mainstream, like Shakespeare and stuff. And I was just like, no, nah, there's more to like a lot of like, you know, mm. weird art and, you know, like, you know, so-and-so called weird art. And um, like, I, I think like there was this really nice old lady um, who we dog sit for. I remember she's like 70 and um, she's had a very interesting life. And we were just talking about photography and I just was like, oh my God, you really like get, what I love about photography and she was like she got me this book which I love she's uh, like all about people and you know like um and like just kind of like there's one which is based on like nude portraiture and there's like others that are just based on portraiture and stuff and I think it was like oh I love that because it just kind of tells a story about people and you know like uh, with landscape and stuff because like I always say this with my photography I never alter anything what you see is kind of what you get Mm. and I really love that about it because Mm. you know like life is you know we're always trying to augment it or change it and i think whether it's good or bad it's like the imperfections of what i love and mm-hmm. i think that you know like everyone's flawed and i i'm one of those people now who like as a kid like had so much anxiety to you know really show all those oh my god i'm you know like you know a warsaw or anything like that but now i'm just like no i have emotions and i think it's like getting rid of that toxic behaviors and and stuff like you know that are ingrained in especially australian culture um and white culture Mm. particularly um to get rid of because there's a lot of things that drive me mental about australian white culture um and the privilege that i guess is carried Mm. by us um because it's just very it's very interesting when us particularly like some people of like our own generation talk and i'm like how are you so blinkered vision about like the way society structured like they're just like they've never walked outside of um outside of their own little comfort zone and I just get baffled um, by it. And I think um, there was actually a really great challenge and I thought like my whole family did when we were in lockdown, mum would organise like a movie night every week mm. and everyone in the family got to pick. So we'd watch it and like this was back when my brother was, li- um, you know, still, um, they're still over there, but like they were living in Germany, um, him and his wife, and like we would set up you know, like those watch alongs. Oh, and, so cute. Yeah. And like, so Simon would pick a, pick a film, um, which would be a foreign film. Sometimes I would pick a film, which would be a nineties film. Um, you know, and we do just watch and we kind of like talk about it after of what's mm. we liked and what we didn't like. And it was really interesting. Cause like every Friday, this would happen for like three months. I think we did this for, cute. and it was really nice because I think it just really got everyone out of like what we'd normally watch and what we were comfortable watching to kind of just be like, everyone has different tastes and that's kind of good to, you know, really explore. Um, And yeah, there was like a lot of films that we sort of realized we didn't know existed or, you know, like um, I guess like the, the film I remember particularly was the documentary on Netflix, which was the one child policy in China. Ah, yeah. This Uh, is nice. Yeah. Um, And it was just really eye opening um, about, like just that whole process mm-hmm. um and yeah it's just like having known quite a few like friends who have um families have immigrated um it's very interesting to hear their perspective of like you know um just, just how life is yeah. and and you know and growing up here as well like versus you know 
living um, their family living over there. And I think that's like an eye-opening situation that, you know, like we're at 8 billion people now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like population size is just massively increasing. But apparently, like, I think the birth rate's down now. Like In the world or in Australia? Just in, in the world, slowly yeah. going down. Like, no, I don't know what it's like in Australia. We just, <laughs> I don't know what, like we're 6 million people, I think, in Sydney alone. Six, six or seven. Now. Yeah, six or seven. Oh. Yeah, it's it's growing. It's this is why I like, since I last heard the statistic. It's yeah. probably like in primary school or something. Yes. <laughs> I mean it was like four. No, it's way fourteen. Bigger. Oh, is it fourteen? Maybe fourteen is the country. I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's huge. Twenty four. Twenty four. There's some four involved in my memory. <laughs> Which is slowly going up by ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Spam. But, but I mean like, you know, where I guess for you, because you're like, you know, I love that you're such an, like, in the way, it's a positive thing when I say this because it doesn't want to sound like it. <laughs> but I, I love that you sort of see the world as an outsider and, you know, like, uh, you know, because did you ever feel like as a bit of the weird kid growing up? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so. But uh, I mean, I, I, I was a kid in Hong Kong, um, so everyone was expat or... Mm. In my school, if it was like local kids, they were going to school with the expats. So it was right. kind of in English and everyone was from somewhere else or <clears throat> I definitely, we definitely had Hong Kong kids in my class, but now I'm thinking, I, I don't remember why they would be at our school. But yeah, anyway, it was a completely mixed bag. So like you had some like Hong Kong kids, some kids from India, some from like very few from Australia, some mm. from America, um, really from everywhere and like the school celebrated Diwali and Chinese New Year and Christmas and like it was so cool because you had like so many so many holidays um so everyone was weird in their own way you know? yeah um but then it's like okay so everyone has got this diverse cultural thing going on even if it was a British school so like the underlying kind of mainstream yeah. culture was still British British culture um so then you were just like based on your interests. So I was like, yeah, I love Pokemon. You love Pokemon. We like to play yo-yo. Yo-yo's in our band. We love Tamagotchi. We can't play them anymore. So it was just like, you're just a kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, for me, it was more strange to move to Australia because I came here in boarding school and I had lived that life compared yeah. to here where you're in boarding school with people from the countryside. And I didn't really have the right accent or <laughs> like mm. uh, kind of background culturally at all. Like... Uh, I remember getting in trouble in school because there was this kind of general knowledge quiz and they asked what the Murray was. And I was like, uh, a surname? Like, apparently it's a river. Yeah. I mean, I've learned now it's a river. But like, they, they thought I was being like facetious, you know, that I was right. being rude. And it was like, well, actually I'm correct because it was a surname and then the river got named after some dude called Mr. Murray, you know? Like, well, probably yeah. Mr., you know, in this time of times. Um, so technically I was actually correct and I know I used to know a girl and her surname was Murray so I was like I feel I'm correct but uh, no so I got in trouble in school like for this for at the least at the beginning until I adapted and understood yeah. how to fit in but one thing you realize I read some study of this uh, that someone gave me once of third culture kids so like kids who grew up in the yeah the th a different culture to yeah, their yeah, family yeah. You, you get pretty good at adapting mm. like you, you assess the situation and then you fit in yeah um so it's more like a, a process of understanding as I got older, how to stop doing that, how to stop just making it so that you fit in hmm. and being much more authentic, just being you and not uh, adapting and shifting yourself so that you would kind of 
be the same as the others yeah but to allow like no like these are my interests and great and uh this is how i behave and yeah i mean this is i guess part of being an adult that you realize like if people don't have time for your complexity then they shouldn't be in your life and yeah. that's fine yeah yeah i mean obviously like within that being nice to everyone <laughs> as much as possible because you know everyone's going through their own journey just but, yeah. be nice to people please. just be nice guys <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a simple ask be kind uh, um yeah i mean like that's really interesting as well like yeah i don't i i, I sort of like why were, how long were you in boarding school for uh four years and then you just why and then you? my parents moved here so i switched to being in the day school day school the, the boarding and the day. The day. Yeah. Um, Which was strange, huh? Because when you're boarding school, you're, you're sleeping in the school in the night. So you have this weird, different relationship with the school because you see it at strange hours. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, technically, you're supposed to be asleep, but you like, might like look out your window. Like, there might be a fire alarm, so you're outside at a weird hour. Where in, in the day school, you, you go home after it's finished. Maybe you have some, like, extra activity that you stay there for. But yeah, uh, but, yeah it was a different relationship. So it was weird. So, like, it was, it's like, you know, when you... Uh, how do I say? Some things you should do in a certain order, no? So yeah. things flow that you're not disappointed. Yeah. And I definitely went the wrong order. Like <laughs> you should go deeper into a place, not more shallowly. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. So that was that was interesting. I mean, and where did you where did you finally graduate? Which which school? Did, what was the school that you graduated from? Here. Yeah. In Sydney. Which one was it? Um, it was this uh, Askham. Where's that? In Edgecliffe. Ah, I like Edgecliff. Yeah, uh, it has a nice train station. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like no, really, they have they have great shops there. I they do getting very good, uh, like uh, what's it called? This uh, uh, meringue. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look delicious. In the shape uh, of a mouse. Oh wow, that would have so taken cute. That I remember those. Mm. They take me back. Mm. They don't do them anymore. Yeah, they're so cute. Oh. But no, like I, I, I think that's really interesting, and like, and then sort of like doing uni here, mm. and then kind of like doing it partially. <laughs> I'm the used to finish it. Like, how long did the uni degree end up taking? Uh, I'm really bad with numbers on the <laughs> So let me think. Yeah, you've it, done first dating. Okay. <laughs> that's image based scheduling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's different. <laughs> Um, so let's see, there were two, two years that I was like solidly in Australia yeah. and then, uh, the, th it was the third year, I think that I was on this exchange, which meant that it became four years, something wow. like this, like that, the, the fourth year was kind of, I was still in China, but doing some random subjects to try yeah. and close this extra semester. Yeah. Maybe even five. Cause there were some lost subjects. Cause you know, when you do an Erasmus or in a university exchange, Sometimes you don't pass the subject because it was in a different language. Oh, yeah. I had one like this that at the Chinese university, I wasn't studying Chinese at university. I was studying other things in Chinese with the Chinese students. Yeah. So I just, at some point, like, I just didn't really understand how to log into the system to, like, change my course. So I was in this one that was supposed like super great and i went once and i was like this is shit and I'm like, am i even in the right room because everything was being sent to me on these chinese style schedules and in chinese and i was yeah just not coping at some point <laughs> so i think i was, I was supposed to be doing four subjects i was doing three i was turning up to three 
So wow. I passed those at whatever the fourth one was, but I never actually found where it was. <laughs> like, I definitely looked for it for the first two weeks and I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> just, just like, this doesn't exist. This obviously doesn't exist. And obviously it did exist and I didn't do it. So yeah, I had to pick up a subject. So yeah, oh that's why it took longer as well. There was some uh, random <laughs> confusions <laughs> along the way. And now you're fully graduated. Fully graduated and graduated the master's as well. So that's cool. Wow. When did you, you finish the master's? In, in Bosnia. That's what I was doing there. Was yeah, but MFA, what year? Uh, 2017. There you go. So you're yeah. completely since 2017. I'm fully fledged, uh, useless, <laughs> <laughs> unemployable. <laughs> Please employ. Please employ. Here's my CV. Coming to you now through the sound waves. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And then you're you're back for and then going back to Italy. Mm. So I'm back uh, until the end of Jan. And I actually I'd hoped to stay longer. I wanted to stay until March, but. Uh, I am finally getting a work visa in Italy, an official, very uh, good status, but it takes so long to make. So I went uh, to the office in, let's say, October, Mm. and they were like, okay, you just have to go in the post office, and it should be that like in two weeks you get the next appointment, and then it's done. Mm. Okay, I go in the post office, and they're like, okay, so your appointment is... And okay, this post office was so funny. Like, so funny. They have this... uh, kind of crazy mix there of like very old school style post office with like mega mega modern technology <laughs> so the guy he was working there he was, his hands were like floating over the keypad like he's been doing this since the 80s it was like, and it was very like elegant his gestures you know like very mm. beautiful somehow and then uh he was kind of like boop, 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 like super modern but at the same time, this like very strange like printer fax machine with this like very specific kind of official document paper going in and out like fft, 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 on this one machine like looping. Yeah. So it was like being in Brazil, you know. It's like how you imagine the fu- this this film Brazil, yeah. the Italian film, like how you imagine what a visa office in the future could look like. It was it was so funny. Anyway, out pops this paper like beep 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 beep, and it turns out my appointment is not in two weeks, but is in February. So uh, I have to go back for this appointment, which is kind of so annoying. And I was really like, are you sure we can't change it until two weeks time? And they were asking me like, do you have any contacts in the ministry? No, I don't. <laughs> do you? <laughs> asking to my work. But uh, yeah, so I'm going back for this. Oh, awesome. Appointment to be officially visaed for like two months and then it already expires because it took them so long to do it. Oh my God. But yeah, it's a bit frustrating. But that's exciting, uh, to say the least, at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I I just got back, so I really don't want to think about leaving because it's, yeah. like, so nice to be back. But uh, And it's weird that I'm saying that because it's true. Like, the me of, like, five years ago would be like, so uh, how many hours until I leave now? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a good situation here. No, it's nice to have you back. Yeah, yeah. But let's see. Also, I mean, right now my work is based there. Yeah. So kind of following the natural flow of how things go that's where this project is and maybe mm. subsequent projects and it would be nice to come in Australia at some point to make work here. Yeah. But I don't know. It's uh, I don't think if I would ever necessarily, I don't know. It's a hard question. Like, do you move somewhere because you like it or do you follow where your projects are taking you? Mm. Um, because at some point you might have to make an actual action of like, okay, I want to be based here because this is the kind of lifestyle I like and that I want mm. and let's find projects to do here. Hmm. instead of like following where the projects take which means that you just have to have a random base somewhere that maybe you don't actually like the lifestyle there and then when there's no projects you're stuck in a place that you don't like yeah. so this is what i'm trying to figure out at the moment like how to combine the things in a good way yeah 
I'm sure you'll get there eventually, but you know, like that's that's the age old question, isn't it? Oh um, yeah. Yeah, it's like there's no real solid answer. And yeah, I mean I think everyone finds their own solution. Yeah. And also depends like where you have your people and where yeah. you have your community, like we were saying before. Yeah. But again, you can build community, as you were saying, you can make new friends and it just it's connecting with people who are on the same level as you. Yeah. And this is also possible. So Yeah, just find the people that love it like you do. That's really like the go. It's passionate. Passionate yeah, yeah. and strange. <laughs> yeah, these like weird, passionate, forever foreigners like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually it's good to have a mix. Like if I'm this forever foreigner character, it's nice to have a mix of friends who are much more rooted, some of them. Yeah. And some of them are more. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like to have this kind of varied cast of characters that on yeah. certain levels you're connecting and you're each like very individual and very different to one another. Yeah. And yeah, I really, I really like that. Also. No, I love that. I love the way you think. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> just really... I think way too much. So. <laughs> no, it's good. I just think it's very unique and I and I, it's very like not dissimilar to my own brain. <laughs> I always find that like unique when I look at people. I'm like, hmm, there's traits in there that I know. <laughs> I know this twisty, dark passageway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been down yeah, this, this road, road before. before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I th think that's a perfect point to wrap us up. Thank you so much for yeah, joining nice. me. It's my pleasure. It's been great. Um, where can people find you, Em? Where can they stalk you on the internet? Where uh, can they find probably on Instagram is the best one. EMJ51. 51. What's the 51 for? Uh, I like five and I like one. And uh, together they're a pretty nice number. And actually it's very weird. It's always been my lucky number because I like five, which is the number of freedom and one, the number of like individual independent. Mm. Also like three, which is the number of creativity. Um, but usually you only need two numbers for logging into stuff. So if you add a three in there, it becomes messy. <laughs> um, and uh, I was looking the other day at something and I understood that that's the latitude that I was born on. Mm. 51 degrees north. Zero fifty one. I was like, that's so weird that it's been my lucky number all my life and it's actually the latitude of where I was born. Which is very like a nice twist. It's like, ah, oh, serendipitous. <laughs> I accidentally choo choose the correct lucky number. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Cool. But anyway, that's where you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> Insta GG. The GG. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do you can check them out on apple and spotify i'll be speaking with another guest next week and i'll speak to you all later goodbye <laughs>